Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And I'm Joel. Joel, Joel Fetter is back in the studio. <laughs> it's good to have him back. He hasn't been here since August. I'm so excited that he's here. I, I've drank about three or four Red Bulls, so I'll be able to keep up with <laughs> the, uh, the Fetter energy level. How's it going, man? Dude, psyched to be here. I actually looked at the calendar today and saw it's been a minute. And I looked, I was like, August. I'm like, August? Good Lord. And then yeah. I realized I've only been home one week other than this one so you know well you've been out doing cool stuff what's the what's the best thing you've worked on since august i saw you out driving around in the mud in toyota trd that was cool. I, I beat up some toyota trds in texas mud i went to sonoma raceway and then challenger uh, charger hellcat Y body i interviewed scott keo vw ceo I've, I've been around man did was he nervous the C, the ceo of volkswagen's got to be nervous at he's all not. times like someone's no. gonna come and get him <laughs> he's, like, he's totally prepped he's 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 straight up prepped he's got the bail money in a suitcase <laughs> yeah, don't there's, take me to jail <laughs> there's a guy walking behind him with a suitcase with a handcuffs and they just got his bail money just ready you also were like avoiding some some moose meese moose meese How, what's the plural moose chris mooses mooses i or like just say moose. moose there's a bunch moose of moose out in uh, sweden right volvo that was Banff. Bam, bam, bam. They Banff, brought, not they brought a bunch of guys from Sweden. Like Sweden. Okay. okay. They had a bunch of, well, Banff, well, where we were doing dinner with this Volvo Also sign, still moose in Banff. There were actual moose there. I didn't see, I think I may saw one. I don't remember. This was like two months ago. Hold on. What is this? Why don't you explain the moose thing for everybody that's just wondering why the heck we're talking about moose? Uh, so Sweden have a lot of moose and the whole <laughs> moose thing with Volvo, um, the moose test where, you know, the Volvo <laughs> has to avoid the moose and swerve left, right, left, right. And then a couple of years ago, like 10 years ago, Grand Cherokee failed the moose test. And it was this huge thing because the Grand Cherokee can flip on three way anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but some the guys moose. will put like moose on their yes. Brick some guys will put moose on like uh, like cars and coffee. They'll be like a yellow moose, uh, uh, like it looks like, like a Ferrari, Ferrari shield yep, on the front moose. fender yeah. uh, of like an S60R or something. Yeah. Right, right. So For that, Sweden, that's kind of their thing. From Mother Sweden. So right. I saw that you got out. One of your things is you got out of one of the TRDs, and you're like, I didn't break the truck. <laughs> Uh-oh. What happened? Well, so we were there, and look, we pulled this in. This is a Tacoma TRD, right? Uh, so that was actually a Tundra TRD. A tundra, sorry. That, 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 in that story. Had a snorkel, and I didn't see that you was going a through Tacoma. any That was a Tacoma. Any rivers. So I'm that's actually a desert that. snorkel for for, for, for oh, keeping it above sand. That's okay. not a watertight snorkel okay. that you're thinking. It's a different kind of snorkel. Uh, so the answer to your question, Chris, is we went to this off-road park in Texas, and we went there, and they had different things. Small, the, the slow one, you know, it was like rock crawling stuff. They had yep. the, the 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 mud one, and then they had one that was quote high speed, and it was really like rutted, sandy. Yeah. Uh, and, and and when I say high speed, this isn't Raptor hundred mile an hour dunes. This is like. 40 mile an hour, 50 mile an hour, which is still pretty what quick. Do you, what do you prefer? A hundred mile an hour dunes or slow rock crawling and that kind of thing? What's, what's up your alley? Depends on the vehicle. I wouldn't want to do a hundred mile an hour dunes in our TRD pro, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but what we, what we were doing is, so we did that and it was very clear that everyone, different journalists had different driving levels, right? Of skill and, and or talent and, or more importantly, comfort level. That's a huge thing. Comfort level. Cause nobody wants to flip a truck. Right. Nobody wants mm. to flip a truck and you can flip a truck. So I did anybody flip a truck. Nobody flipped the truck. Okay. Uh, but I, I decided to turn every nanny off and I decided that we were going to go sideways because, and we were going to, I just had the thing mashed right? and I was going 50, 60, 70 miles an hour, probably not 70, probably topped out 60. And the whole thing was just, I mean, there was a moment where I got airborne and, and it was just because it was going so fast. Only was one moment? It was just flat with a little few ruts. I mean, <laughs> okay. it wasn't jumps. <laughs> so that but, was but, so. And, and then I, and then the, the guys asked me, the photographer crew, uh, photography and video crew asked me to go through mud. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this big, big, big mud pile and you don't really know what's at the bottom of it. And they asked me to fly through at a speed and no one, 
there's a risk there. Right. And I, you gotta be doing at least 40 to 50 to make it look good. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And, and, and there was a moment where it was just like, screw it. And, 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 and so I did it and I did it in the, in the tundra and then I parked it and I got out and Nancy Hubble, who's in charge of communications for uh, Toyota, looked at, took one look at the truck and was like, I didn't break it. I didn't break it. It's disgusting, but I didn't break it. And then I took the Tacoma out. And since they had asked me to do it in a smaller puddle earlier, they're like, all right, so there's this one puddle and it's not really a puddle. Is it loosely puddle defined? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. And he's like. We need someone. I think you're our guy. I'm like, oh, I'm your guy. And that was the lead photo, by the way, of that article. And there was no dry run with this. This should have been a dry run. And I, because the problem was you're going around a corner. So I, I, I started and then it was a straight and then I take a right. And as I took a right, there was a little dip. So the truck would, you know, undulate. Uh -huh. The rear end wanted to kick. So now I'm going sideways with like and sliding as I go around the corner. And then I hit the puddle. So now I keep it straight in the puddle. The problem is, is that the mud shoots up everywhere and you can't see. So, yep. And I got photographers on my left and videographers on my right Ooh. and other journalists. So I got to keep it straight and I can't see where anyone is all of a sudden. So I hit the wipers <laughs> immediately and then it comes flying out and then there's another a little dip. And so then I did it and everyone's like, Okay, that was amazing, but do it again. I'm like, <laughs> well, you don't have to twist my arm. It's not exactly a dry run either. It's more no, of a, yeah, that was full a out 45, 50 when I hit that water. Yeah. So when I did, uh, when I flew out to Georgia to do the Lee Keen thing for Triple mm -hmm. Zero. Yep. I was, uh, Lee Keen wanted me to have the whole experience of everything that it was about. <laughs> He's like, all right, I want you to hop in my car. There's a huge puddle right here. I want you to hit this thing. I'm like, he's sitting next to me. I'm like, well, how fast do you want me to go? And he's like, oh, about 50. And I'm it's like, scary. I'm like, okay. And as we get up to the water, I'm like, I'm just thinking to myself, wow. I mean, this is probably, this puddle's at least probably 20 to 24 inches deep. It's a deep puddle. And I'm thinking, oh man, this is, we're going really, really fast. And as soon as you hit the water, you get, you start to slow down very fast. Oh yeah. Uh, and then it turned into a boat. <laughs> well, because you had, were lower to the ground than us. I had yeah. no steering control. turns into a boat. The thing started to lurch left and then I turned the wheel right and it finally caught on the other side of the puddle. And there's a video of this and it is one of my favorite moments of ever driving a car was just nailing that puddle at 50 miles an hour. And just Lee was like, ah, that might have been just a little bit much. So I, I'm guessing ours was 36 inches as deep. I had a lot more ground clearance, of course. Yeah. And I hit it. And, and so I, they asked, we went four times and then said one more time. But the problem was, is that the windows now were caked on the side. Yeah. And so when you're coming in, you're going partially sideways. So you're looking out the left driver window a little at your angle, right? Or you and, would be if you could see. Well, we're supposed to be. The problem is I can't anymore. So I, I'm like, one last time, that's it. We're done. Like I'm Now we're getting my uncomfort level of like, I don't want to hit someone and I don't mm -hmm. want to hit something. Sure. And it wasn't I, like a hold my beer thing. <laughs> well, it started out as a hold my beer thing. By the fifth run, it was almost like hold we're at a six, Hold yeah, my we're, six pack. And, and, but it's not my truck anymore, right? And so I came around the corner at about 50 and it, it started going sideways. And I realized I just couldn't see. And I and the front hit the water and I'm like, and it started to slide sideways. I was like, nope, screw it. I hit the brakes and I stopped right in the puddle. I was like, I'm done. Like, it was uh, too, too it, got, it got too sketch. Yeah, yeah way yeah. too sketch. Well, that's probably good. Um, all right, so before we get into the news, I want to tell you guys a little bit about Patreon. If you haven't signed up yet, it's, uh, it's what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? We've have, we got new people coming on all the time. Yes, we. And do. the guys that are signing up, thank you so much for supporting the show. It means a lot. Uh, keeps the light on here. Even at five bucks a month, it's you get the exclusive content. Ten dollars you get a T-shirt. Twenty-five dollars you get a print. Um, which, as everybody knows, I don't really sell prints, so it's one of your ways to get one. Absolutely. So head on to Patreon.com/slash/Overcrest and you can support the show there. Also, if you have time. 
There's thousands of you out there listening. Get on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. We'd really, really appreciate it. All right. Let's move on to some news. All right. So we have uh, our first story. Fetter's here. Fetter's here to talk about um, Tesla. Tesla's. We have. Yes. <laughs> Fetter's here. We're doing it's Tesla a, news. It's almost like there wasn't a lot of Tesla news. And then Fetter comes back and all of a sudden there's a bunch. So tell us about this new truck. So we've been talking about this for a long time. Right. And this is Musk. This is Musk, baby. Musk is into this because like every red blood in America, it's a pickup truck. Right. And But he's making some big, tall claims. And now we're getting to the do or die because now Musk has been claiming for a while it's going to come this fall and eventually he put a November stamp on it. And if When some, did he do that? What, the November stamp? Yeah, when was that? That's next earlier month. this year. I, I, it is next month. Good thing you could look at a calendar, Jay. Good work. No, but like we <laughs> haven't seen a, or heard anything about this. <laughs> Go it's get going a juice to, box. Well, I've heard a lot about it. Okay. Uh, so you should read more authority. I recommend it. So uh, my byline is on this article, Jay. Uh, so basically someone named Steve Jobs Ghost, which I think is pretty funny, on Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's on his Twitter, Twitter handle. Asked him if you decided on a pickup truck is still targeting November and Musk said no change. Now, that's that was it. On, that was on October 9th. That in itself wasn't news for us. We didn't feel it was news because he basically just confirming nothing's had changed. So that's right. not news. But what was news is that on the 13th, someone asked, what do you think of the Tesla pickup drawings that are going around the internet? Because there's, re- there's a lot of uh, drawings on the yeah. internet. Can I, can I read this? Go ahead. <laughs> Cybertruck doesn't look like anything I've seen bouncing around the internet. It's closer to an armored personnel carrier from the future. So hang on, a couple things on that. One, he's been calling it the Cybertruck for a long time. Maybe it's in the third dimension where Porsche's been yes. the last couple of weeks. Cybertruck. So M- Musk, Musk got a thing for, for two movies, uh, Blade Runner and Tron, and then also, uh, actually three movies, Blade Runner, Tron, and then he also has a big thing for for. Spaceballs, obviously. Right, yeah, and obviously. Well, but but the, but the, the Tron and this Blade Runner thing, that's been his whole thing with this truck. He think, he wants this truck, so like there's been one teaser of it, which is in the article, of course, of the front end. He confirmed mm-hmm. there's the front end. And that neon light, that's the front of the truck. Like that's this the front is the, of the truck. That's the front of the oh, truck. That's it. the hood of the truck. That's the bumper. I actually drew out lines for Kirk on this. I should have kept it. Uh, but, but, but basically, this is... This is the front of his truck, and he's saying it's like a Blade Runner Tron thing it's with this ice blue thing. And the link's in the show notes if you want to see it. But the, mm-hmm. here's the, here's what's really like, okay, now we're really getting ridiculous. Must hype about this truck in June. This is a quote, by the way. The goal is to be a better truck than a Ford F-150 in terms of truck-like functionality and be a better sports car than a standard Porsche 911. Well, we all know his car isn't better than a Porsche 911 by what we're going to talk about later in the news. But, 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 bro, it's it, this, this cyberpunk truck is going to be, it's going to out, it's going to be a better sports car than a 911 and a better truck than an F 150. How does, is there, I don't know. There's going to be one metric where he's like, see, it can accelerate faster than a base 911. It can tow more than a take on. <laughs> for, ten, is, for 10 miles. So the <laughs> top, take, the top photo more. in your article is a Tesla truck. Towing an F one so no, so a that, that when he when they announced <laughs> they were going to do a truck that's an F one fifty uh that they, he teased this saying what if we just built like this and basically so this, this was his teaser this is it no this is the original teaser of when they said they were going to do a truck okay. and it's a joke it's okay. basically the semi front yeah. it's the front of the semi with a bed on it with an F one fifty in the back of it that's gotcha. not real but that teaser below in the the bottom yeah that is the real front of the truck I'm Where's surprised the cab? So, I don't I don't understand. 
So this is this the hood is the you're hood. looking at. The that's, hood the, that's the hood right. with the Tesla logo. You got the, the, the that's yeah, but it looks like light. it just keeps going. It's like gonna a, be a very flat light. hood. It's so, gonna be a flat hood. One thing that you see on Motor Authority and a lot of other websites a lot is you see these spy shots of these cars, yep. right? They're out. They've got camouflage yep. on them. They're out at the Nurburgring, or yep. they're out in the desert, or they're out in urban environments doing all the testing for cold weather, hot weather, wherever. Mm-hmm. Where That's is this thing I mean. being tested? Because you never see any of this stuff. You don't see the Roadster out there in real life. You don't see this truck. Where are they doing the testing that they need to do to make sure that the car is actually going to work? So actually, so a couple different things. Uh, like Rivian or someone else, you could test a truck like this by taking an F-150 and slapping batteries and motors in it, technically. Uh, like a body. You can take yeah. an F-150 body mm-hmm. around it. That's what Rivian did for a while. Uh, Rivian did that for a long time, actually. Two... If you've paid attention to Tesla, the way they operate uh, with the 3, the Y, the X, they actually don't have prototypes outside the studio running around until they reveal the car. Because they're always revealing and saying, oh, okay, it's going to come out in a year or two. So what they're doing is they're holding it. So you're never going to see it before they reveal it. They'll reveal it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden on the street, you'll see 10 dozen mules running around. Right. Mm. Because all of a sudden, like the Y they revealed, two days later, we saw them on the street testing. And all of a sudden, now they're all over the streets of Silicon Valley testing, and it comes out in a year, right? right? So it's not it's just a different approach. It's a totally different approach. Now the semi, they didn't do that. The semi, we saw three spottings of that. Oh, really? So and so, and it wasn't like spy shots. It was people like on Reddit that would spot it at like random places, take a picture of it. But that led us all to figuring out like, is this real? Is this fake? Is this staged? <laughs> like we didn't know. What what's so is this truck? in your opinion, mm-hmm. actually going to be usable as a truck? Because, so real trucks, in my opinion, real trucks, I not don't know if this truck, not fake trucks mm-hmm. like this truck, have Dennis Leary as an actor talking about how awesome the truck is and they're dumping boulders into the truck and the truck is towing up three-story tall words of the name of the truck, like Ford F, all new Ford F-150, <laughs> and it's like three stories tall and this truck is towing it. How are they going to get the guys that are into that type of thing to buy this truck and use this truck to go to the work site with their toolbox and their car they're not, overalls. Right. Yeah. They're not. But it's a different, this is a lifestyle truck. So this truck. Rivian's a lifestyle the truck. The, a lifestyle truck is the concept that it can do X, Y, Z. Right. But, but you're you going to take it surfing. But you're going to take it surfing. Right. This truck needs to be able to be used as a work truck in order for other people to want to use it as a grocery store truck. I disagree it, with that. It has yeah, to have. No, Everyone it, in California is going to want it to go to surfing, mm-hmm. dude. You're wrong. Without any pedigree whatsoever, or is the pedigree yeah. that it's, it's a Tesla? The pedigree is that okay. it is a Tesla, so it doesn't need to be a truck. It's gonna then. do zero sixteen two point eight seconds. When I'm making that up, by the way, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about everything else. That's yeah, been so going it's on accurate, right? So, so uh, next in news, All Road is coming back. I'm the very Audi, excited about this. I saw this today. I'm very news. excited about this. All right, why are you excited about this? Why so does this I, matter? Hey, I grew up in an Audi family. I grew up in a wagon family. Mom drove, drove a wagon, right? So Audi and, and wagons and Volvo have always been synonymous with wagons. Yep. Ben's dabbled in it, and they still have the E-Class wagon. And for a while, we had some 5-series wagons, 3-series wagons, but those are all dead. We're right. all doing GTs and coupes and whatever now. <laughs> uh, and Audi went away from wagons for a while, too. We only really had the A4 Avant and all right. eventually. But Audi is making this resurgence to wagons. We have the all-road Why? wagon. Why are they doing this? And I'll tell you, well, there's... There's reasons that are theories because no one knows yet. But the theory, there's a couple of theories I have running. One, everything is cyclical, right? So people mm. that drive crossovers grew up with their parents having minivans. They don't want minivans, right? Minivans right. are cool. Mom drove minivans. So now they have crossovers. Guess what? Today's kids are all growing up with. Mom and dad drove crossovers. Yep. Crossovers aren't cool, man. 
Let's get a wagon. Let's get a wagon. I thought that the Buick wagon, those sales were doing really, really There's well. Right, they with were an sell- for a Buick. For a Buick, for a Buick, well, doing for really Buick. well. And it's how many wagons wagon. are there to choose from? Exactly, exactly. Well, there, there is so the now, Subaru wagon, which Doug DeMiro says is the best wagon, and, and he's actually, completely it's not wrong. A bad, it's not a bad wagon, and it does. Re- it, it, they sell really well. Outbacks sell really well. Is it, but this is not going to be a pedestrian wagon. This is going to be expensive. Right. This is going to be expensive. I saw, um, it, I saw an all road. Oh yeah, driving today, and they look. Muscular. Are you talking about A4 or A6? The old a, one or the new one? The old one. I saw one that's of the old, old ones in A6. Yep. So that's the first all-road we ever had. It was based on the C5. I'm told Audi nerd. C5 generation, uh, A6. Had the 2.7 twin turbo out of the Or the 4.2 V8. And, and the all-road, huh? Oh, yeah. I don't remember that. I've oh, seen you, those. Oh, yeah. And they have the air ride that is guaranteed to be broken yep. when you buy one. Oh, yep. yeah, for sure. They, but you can car, buy lifetime bags in it. That car is an is one of the most maintenance-intensive nightmare vehicles. It is so over-engineered, but it's among my favorite cars. They're very capable. So mm-hmm. capable. It had 8.6-inch to ground clearance. This one's only going to have up to 7.3 with its air suspension. It's a different time. Okay. That disappoints me. It also has well, quadruple. The, the rocks are smaller now, right? Yeah. It <laughs> Just also think has, about what Volkswagen has been doing, though. The Touareg went from ultra capable. I know. And now it yeah. went It's to, going to what people got, need and care about. Then it got less capable. Right. And then it went to the Atlas, which is a Jetta. Okay. And then they went from. Uh, I think I told you that earlier. You did. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a Jetta with elephantitis. Yeah. <laughs> so everything is. Now we know that the all road is going from extremely capable yeah. to sort of capable to. I'm also going to take my. Well, not only that. So, so the we've only had the A4 all road for a while now. Right. Not this generation, but I went. I went to the current generation's launch, and they did not like having me there because <laughs> when I pressed on, were the two things of it has less ground clearance than before. Mm-hmm. So it's the sometimes road. Some roads, the Audi some roads. It's fine enough for any, look, it'll tackle anything. Anything any road. driver's ever going to go to, it'll road. tackle, really. Uh, and it also, it, it it has Quattro Ultra, which is A6 has two. And the Quattro Ultra. I, this is a new term that I have not heard before. It's marketing speak. It's Quattro Light, which is also oh, my term. Oh, really? Oh, Quattro Ultra is disconnecting Quattro to sail, which makes it front wheel drive and then yep. instantly connects in a millisecond to do to the rear. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the deal. As someone who grew up with Quattro back in the day with locking differentials yeah. where you could manually lock the center differential, this is Quattro light. Yeah. And yeah. It really irks me. And well, people, the torsion differential is a whole nother universe. Yeah. And, 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 but so now this is, is, it's automatic. It's all automatic, but it can be front wheel drive. And I had a long discussion at the all road launch, mm-hmm. the, the A41 and with them about this. And basically he was like, look, anything that is going to be truly off road or performance Angled will have regular Quattro. Q7 will have regular Quattro. RS vehicles have regular Quattro. Mm-hmm. Q8 will have regular Quattro. Has anybody taken like an old Audi 100 wagon with the super killer Quattro and put it up against a, like a brand new all road to see which can, is actually more capable in the snow? Or? I mean, the electronics are going to really help you. True. You have so I mean, many different ABS, sensors. A, 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 ESP and, and, and all the trash controls and the aids are really going to help you, dude. Yeah, I suppose. It's and really going to help you. What and about so, with all that stuff off and we're talking about just chassis? If we turn all the ABS, well, we can't turn the ABS off. Well, we can if we unplug it. But we turn the ABS off, we turn the EC, uh, the, the trash, trash control off, and we just rely on the Quattro ability. Do you think that the old ones are going to do better? You can put narrow little cookie cutter tires on them. You know? Probably. <laughs> you're just modifying Probably, it. but you're talking about safety at this point. I mean, the modern cars have a lot more safety stuff in it. But to, to the Quattro Ultra, the thing I want to do at the launch is I want to test it. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was they, they swore to me that it can tell the conditions. And if you put it in off-road mode, and this is off the A4 Ultra, all-road, all we have a different A6. Uh, if, you do the, if you put it in off-road mode, it locks it. 
it locks it so it doesn't go into front wheel drive mode. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was we were on like the snowy trail in the middle of the woods and I basically planted my foot on the brake. I planted my foot on the gas and I had it locked and I let off the, the brake and I basically- Did tried, a brake stand. I did a brake stand. And what happened was interesting. It took us, I mean, no one needs to pay attention, but it took a split second. You could feel it lock because it knew it needed to. And then it shot off the line. An old Audi or any Audi that didn't have Quattro Ultra doesn't have to take the extra second to lock. It yeah. just digs it right just into the digs ground. right into the ground. And I called him on it, and he's like, that didn't happen. I'm like, and, and so, <laughs> but I had a co-driver. Co Joel, that's fake news. I, and I, I had a co-driver, and I looked, and I was like, hey, did that? He's like, it, it totally happened. He's like, that's not possible. Like, <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Sure. Whatever you say. So, so the new one's coming out. What's the, new, the, what's the story with the new one? The new one's based on the current, the newest A6. Mm -hmm. It's going to be all the, all the three touchscreens from the A8 that I had earlier this spring, and it's, it's a two touchscreens <laughs> plus digital gauge cluster. It's going to be based on the A6, the current A6 Avant. It's going to have up to 7.3 inches of ground clearance, uh, down to five point uh, something when it's down in aero mode. It has air suspension, which is good because the A4 hour does not have air suspension. That bothers me. All roads should have air suspension. Sure. Probably more reliable than the first generation. Low bar we're setting. <laughs> oh, debatable with I direct know. injection. We'll uh, see. Well, and, and so this also turbo again, the three liter super uh, three liter turbocharged engine, mm -hmm. and it's got a forty eight volt mild hybrid system. Your eyes are just glazing. Oh, so nice. that mild hybrid system, that's basically the alternator, it's belt driven, right? Or is uh, it still so a starter motor? Sandwich. It's a starter motor, and oh. so ba so basically, it's a forty eight volt mild hybrid system, and it's not there. It's there for like an extended start stop. It, it, hang on, everyone's different. Sure. In Audis, it's there for an extended start-stop. And in the A8, it's there to help power the hydraulic actuators that can automatically lift the car if it if it senses a car. <laughs> You're looking at me like I'm nuts. I so if the A8... <laughs> so that's, on the A8, that system isn't used except in emergency. It, or or for extended start-stops. It is not used on the highway to increase your fuel economy. I it's think only Jake is wondering what you mean by extended start-stop. So if uh, in a normal car sure. that relies on like its regular battery to start stop, you can last this much time. I mean, not very much time at a start stoplight, right? Okay. In the A8, because it has a 48 volt mile hybrid system, it has a larger capacity to sit as stop for a longer period of time with the engine off. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, a smarter way to do it would be to use to increase your fuel economy around town. But I'm not a genius. It's a mild hybrid that I doesn't... Re can we record that part so I can play it back? Can we record <laughs> it's that a mild hybrid that does not increase your fuel economy, really. Okay. Interesting. Let's, uh, let's move on. We got yeah. to keep going. So the Porsche, someone finally put up the Porsche Taycan with a finally, Tesla Model It was Model unveiled S. like three weeks ago. I know, but it finally was like head-to-head. -head. This is the first real head-to-head -head thing that we've seen. Okay. So I wish I could share a little bit about of this YouTube video, but it's all in German, so nobody would be able to understand it. Ja? So I'm going to kind of paraphrase what they did. So it's a uh, German guys did some testing and here's what they found. Um, the video part of the German TV channel Vox's show Automobile begins with the host Alexander Block driving the new 750 horsepower Porsche Taycan Turbo S from Luxembourg, 87 miles to an airport runway in Germany where Tesla Model S P100D awaits in a hangar. Nice. Now, here's the thing. On his way there, he had some difficulties charging the Taycan. It didn't take as much of a charge as was advertised. Mm. So it took less power from the charger, which was kind of interesting. Um, the comparison test showed terrible panel fitment in comparison to the Taycan. The, the trunk was off in one direction, and some of the other panel gaps were, shocked. were just <laughs> It should not be that way in a $100,000 car. Obviously. Um, the, they say the tailgate is installed completely crooked. Same goes for the doors. The team also notes poorly welded panels and interior trim seemed carelessly put together. The Porsche appears in better 
appears better in terms of overall fit and finish with the narrator saying gap in material quality at the highest level. This is what Porsche offers. And this is something that we know, you know, going to happen. it's interesting. They're talking about, you know, panel gaps on doors. I happen to know of a Porsche <laughs> that does not have great panel gaps on the door. Yes, that's because your doors were assembled in someone's garage with the lights turned off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then comes quarter mile acceleration testing where the Porsche, despite its slower claimed zero to 60 time, handily defeats the Tesla. And if you watch if you watch the video, the uh this the guy that's driving the, the Tacan must have been asleep or something because the other car got a huge jump and the Tacan was able to overtake the Tesla anyway. Wow. And it, the the longer they did it, I mean they did the back, did it back, back to, to back. back to back to back. Mm-hmm. The Tacan just kept smoking it further and further and further. Just made it look absolutely terrible. And then they went on a kind of like a skid pan thing. It was like a left, right, left, and then a right back into a uh, a set of cones where you had to drive through the cones. So almost like a slalom. Uh, like a slalom, and then you had to cut all the way over into these other this other section to stop the car. Oh, sure. And you watch the test. The Porsche does it perfectly. Okay. And then the Tesla comes in. It can't even cut back to end up in the last set of cones. It just understeers, and it's going seven kilometers an hour slower huh. than the Porsche is. So that's the first comparison that we have. And obviously this is to be expected. Um, didn't, didn't well por- by the numbers though, it shouldn't. Right. That's what's kind of surprising and newsworthy about this, but in real world testing is what we all care about. Of course it does. Right. And the well, but thing those is, numbers is, are just marketing hype. It's a tweet. Yeah, yeah. but that's, that's but what everyone's is, using though as evidence. Like, Oh, this is going to beat the, the Porsche isn't as fast till it, doesn't so did right. Porsche to take on? Didn't they just release the cost and the performance numbers of the step down? Yes. What, the 4S. Do, you know, do you know what that is off the top of your head? Basically, hundred grand. So it's hundred grand. I think it's like four hundred fifty horsepower instead yeah. of seven hundred fifty horsepower. Yeah. And I would like to see that thing go up against the the Tesla as well. All right. So Tesla cars are being bricked. Do you want to take this one, Jake? Yeah, I will. So Chris, you've heard reports when your phone is either locked down or completely broken. What do you call it? Bricked. Right. It's bricked. Well, it turns out that there are some Teslas that are doing just that. Quote, according to three independent Tesla repair professionals, some older Teslas are spontaneously bricking because their embedded flash memory is wearing out. The issue stems from a flash storage chip called the EMMC. According to experts who have studied the problem, Teslas are writing vehicle logs to this flash storage chip so much that it eventually burns out. So basically what's happening is the the car is keeping track of so much data and using this chip to write it to something, whether it's the log or whatever. So they can, probably all this information gets sent to Tesla. I'm I'm sure sure. it does. And they're doing it so much that it's burning out the chip. And once the chip is there, your car is is dead. It doesn't do anything. So, quote... When this burns out, you wake up to a black screen in the car's center console. What do you mean you wake up to a black screen? Well, you, you just, wake up and you go out to your in your car, sleeping. As I said, quote, Chris, I didn't say it. It's a quote. Well, you could wake up in your Porsche, <laughs> or I'm sorry, your Tesla, because you could be driving on the freeway asleep. As happened. It, well, you is. could Netflix and chill in your Tesla now because the Model 3 has Netflix and you can stream it. Are you kidding me? You didn't hear about this? No. Well, dude, version 10.0 is Netflix. You can see <laughs> there are people, if you go to Tesla groups on Facebook, which I'm part of, for work, uh, you uh, people are actually like taking pictures of them sitting in their Tesla Model 3 streaming Netflix in their garage. Why? You'll Tesla Netflix and chill. Why? Yeah. Because it's cool. It is not. These people are manufacturing what <laughs> cool actually is. All I can think is. is, don't you have a TV that's larger than the house? <laughs> yeah. All wow. Right. Uh, so they say you can generally drive the car, but it won't 
charge. Okay, so you can run the battery out of whatever's left. Exactly. That must be some sort of fail-safe that the car has. The larger concern here isn't so much this Tesla. This is a preview of our future, though. Because yeah. the e-tron, the Taycan, all these cars are electric. They're rolling computers. What happens when any of these things happen? Yep. Well, at the same time, with a mechanical car, what happens if anything breaks on the mechanical car? You well, just you go it. down here's, to Napa, you get a part, and you exactly. shove it under your hood, just like you did with every one of your road trips. So you can do that with story. a car that's like a 1998 or 97, like an OBD2, an older car. You can't do that with anything made in the last 20 years, even if it's mechanical. Well, then you have to roll into a dealership. Yeah, exactly. You have to get it towed to a dealership or Which something like that. Which is the problem with Tesla is there are no aftermarket parts for Tesla. No. It's only Tesla-provided right. parts is right. what this and story went into. And they're all back-ordered. Exactly. Musk tweeted that the issue, quote, shouldn't, should be much better at this point, but did not elaborate about what changes, if any, comforting. his company had made in recent weeks to fix the issue. Super comforting. All right. So Fiat Chrysler is facing a $79 million penalty. Hellcats cost, Kurt, you guys, Hellcats cost. How much do Hellcats cost? $79 million. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry, I didn't let you get to why. Sorry. Okay, so Fiat Chrysler Automobiles on Wednesday said it faces $79 million in U.S. civil penalty for failing to meet the 2017 fuel economy requirements. I'm going to see if you can... Now I'll say Hellcats cost, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Hellcats cost. The, two, the 2017 model fleet fell one and a half miles per gallon short of the 33.8 mile per gallon standard based on yearly performance without including credits. So this is basically the average fuel economy across their cars. Their fleet, yeah. Their fleet. Yeah. Um, Fiat Chrysler is paying fines on the shortfall in its domestic passenger car fleet, which includes several front-wheel drive, Jeep and Dodge, two-wheel drive SUVs, and some sedans and muscle cars. Yeah, the Hellcat's really dragging down that number, isn't <laughs> well, it? Why well, are they getting rid of the Hemi? You can get a Durango SRT, <laughs> a Trackhawk Grand Cherokee, a Ram, a Rebel. I mean, every... Which, Joel, why are they getting rid of the Fiat 500 then? Because nobody's buying it. <laughs> that. I like those. So here's I like the, the A-Bars. So here's yeah, the thing. fun. What do consumers want? Hellcats. <laughs> <laughs> what does consumers' wives want? They want a Durango. They want a Jeep Cherokee. They want an SUV. See, but most of those actually sell V6s. Yeah, but they're still no, not it's getting... It's sad, but you know, most of the Grand Cherokee and Durangos... As someone who went and bought a Grand Cherokee with a V8, it's hard to find one with a V8. <laughs> Legitimately. Really? Oh, it's hard. So huh. they got rid of their cars. A lot of the cars are yeah, gone. Yeah, that's, that's not helping them, but they uh, didn't sell. But consumers aren't buying the cars anyway. That's They're also a problem. SUVs. So consumers aren't buying cars, so Fiat Chrysler now has to pay a fine because of what consumers are buying. Yes. Okay. Now, yeah, as long as we've got so. that clear. The shortfall was one half mile per gallon for the 2016 model year, and HTSA said more automakers were failing to comply with the standards for the 2018 and 2019 model years, and the potential penalties on automakers, which are passed along to consumers, are expected to continue to increase. Environmental groups and regulations in California and other states are fighting against any rollback in the standards. Um, automakers protested the hikes saying it increased industry compliance by $1 billion annually. The Trump administration gave automakers another respite on fuel economy in July when it canceled a rule that would have been more than that would have more than doubled penalties for automakers failing to meet fuel efficiency standards. And I'm going to reword that sentence to way that the way that it should actually be written. Okay. The oh Trump administration gave car buyers another respite on fuel economy penalties in July when it canceled a rule that would have more than doubled penalties passed down to consumers by automakers that failed to meet fuel efficiency I know I see what you did requirements. There. Because guess what? When you fine Volkswagen, Chrysler, whatever, they don't just go, okay, right. no, they pass all this stuff gets passed on to the community. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it's not a penalty on the automaker. One it's a penalty the, on their consumers. One of the things you left off here, one of the costs, is automakers are buying credits, carbon credits. Yes. Right. And and the only automaker here that only gets electric credits is Tesla. Tesla. Right. And 
there was a story earlier in the year, so don't quote me because it was like six months ago, but we wrote about it on our sites. Basically, Fiat Chrysler, who was the biggest offender here on, on Hellcatting, uh, <laughs> they literally spent like, it was like a million or a billion. It was some really big number buying credits from Tesla. Like sure. it was a huge story right. earlier this yeah, year. Yeah, we talked about and that. And you have to do this every year. So it is one of the ways that Tesla stays above water is selling, oh, these they're selling their credits. They may not make money off cars, so guess, but guys, we can sell our credits. Yeah. In, in five years, when all these manufacturers have half of their cars that they're selling, they the don't electric, need the credits anymore. They don't need the credits anymore. <laughs> Tesla better have their yeah. register out by then. So um, all this seems, seems to add up to like some sort of punitive regulation to me, which is you're forcing the inevitable switch to electric cars, whether the consumer likes it or not. So the regulation exists to try and force manufacturers. Obviously, it's hard to attain, right? They put these limits up there that you can just barely skate by to make the mile per, uh, mile per gallon requirements. And then if you don't do it, you're going to get penalized. So it's forcing the manufacturers into the electric car Look, This world. all ends in your 911 being illegal and not be allowed to drive on the road. <laughs> <laughs> so, but here's another thing, is as these cars get more economical and as we get pushed, the average cost of a new car is $34,000. Uh, 33. I think it's 36. Okay, so it went up last since, since the last year. And last I could be wrong, but I thought it was 36. So, okay, so it's mid-30s yep. somewhere, which is- The average truck, by the way, is mid-40s. Wow. Yep. All of this adds up to huge average cost for the car, which um, really impacts vulnerable people amongst us, the impoverished people, can't afford cars. And the used market is actually really, really high right now. Because of it. It, it, mm. About 10 or 15 years ago, what was going on? The recession yep. was going on 10 or 15 years ago. And all the auto manufacturers, they pulled back yep. on production. So all of the cars that would be less than $10,000, which are cars that are 10 to 12 years old, there's a shortage of them. So the yep. used car market mm. is super is, high. It's super high right now. So you have a super high used car market and you have all these uh, re safety requirements and uh it's expensive to make new cars. There's, it, there, is, it is. There's a great article by Zach Bowman, and I had to find it on Road and Track from the last six months. About he basically went and did the analysis about um, the cost of uh, living increase, the cost of housing increase, the cost uh, or the, the 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 salary increases over the sure, last ten years, sure. and the cost of car increases. Mm -hmm. And you look at this graphs, ding ding ding, whoosh, cars are out of control. Oh my god, it was like. 30-fold. So it was are, noxious. Are manufacturers wow. making a huge amount of margin on these cars now? Or Dude, is you could buy a $75,000 F-150 that they're selling for th that they're selling the one down the street for the 34. Yeah. I was seeing that you can get a loan on a 75000 It's basically- 96 an, months. It's like an arm. You, you can, can get a 96-month loan on an F-150 Raptor. And people wow. are doing it in Detroit. A friend called me. He's like, dude, my friend just bought a $75,000 Raptor. I'm like, that's sick. He's like- Took a ninety-six thousand dollar loan. He's gonna buy an XLT. 96, this it's is a ninety-six month, month loan. This is one hundred percent something that would never ever happen in Germany. They don't operate. But what happens when like that this. guy crashes? Someone okay. Now let's not say someone else crashed in that truck in five years, <laughs> and that guy is so over under on that truck yeah. that when the insurance gives him a check and he has to give the bank a check, he's gonna owe so much more than he can afford yes. because he owed more than he could afford on a better, vehicle. Better get that gap coverage, man. You better get that <laughs> gap coverage on that thing. Please. All right. So uh, next story is that VW says that they need to be making more enthusiast cars. So why don't you tell me this ironic? story this is this is going back to earlier <laughs> we were talking about I, so last friday i was at chattanooga uh, tennessee the volkswagen factory sure and i was there for the atlas uh cross sport also known as the jetta elephantitis sport uh <laughs> per our conversation earlier why why do you think that they went so far away from the touareg because the touareg oh the, easily especially the first one they were really good they were great they didn't sell 
Why? Hmm. Why did they, they were so, they, Well, so ironic part is it was really the size of a Grand Cherokee, which is what they're going after with this Atlas Crossport. But the Atlas Crossport's a lot bigger than Grand Cherokee. So why is the Atlas selling better than the Touareg did? Is it the period of time in which these two models exist? Is I it think, because we were in the recession 10 years ago? I think the Touareg was so darn expensive. It's really what it is. Yeah. It was really expensive. It was made in Germany. It was over-engineered. It had so much more capability than any consumer cared or needed about. Mm-hmm. If they built that in America and priced it like a Grand Cherokee, it probably would have done better. Okay. So and the answer. Atlas is much cheaper. Much cheaper. It's, and pa- it's, it's priced like a pilot. It's and it's, what, it's not like quite as special, in my opinion. No, it's it's a midstream crossover. All right, so tell me the okay. ironic part of this. So anyway, the ironic part of all of this, is based on what we just talked about, is that I had this uh, interview with Scott Keel, Volkswagen Group of America, President and CEO, and we were discussing many things, and I asked him a lot of questions. We were there for like an hour, 40 minutes. And, and one of the questions, or one of the things he told me is, you know, we're an enthusiast brand, we as in Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. We should be making more enthusiast cars. And so, of course, we expanded on that. And because there's been reports of the next generation Golf, only the GTI and the R coming back to America. No Golf, no Sport Wagon. Right. And I asked him about that. And he said, you know, we've confirmed and I'll confirm again the GTI and the Golf R are coming back. They'll sell really well. And, and the Golf and Sport Wagon variants were still Evaluating and the reality well, the, the is the GT and the R are the only Golf variant that are coming confirmed, right? Everything the, else is everything a else is under consideration. Okay, it's not mm-hmm. it's not confirmed. And he he reiterated that, but basically he looked at me. He's like, "We're enthusiast brand." Those other whoa, two. Whoa, those- whoa, whoa! Do you consider Volkswagen an enthusiast brand? I don't. Not anymore. I compare it far more of an enthusiast brand than something like Honda. Or, or I guess. Or, yeah. I guess you're choosing. You're choosing that. So we're, I'm thinking of enthusiasts. Enthusiasts maybe as two different things. You're thinking it differently. You can think of enthusiasts as someone that just likes cars that are cool, and then you can think of enthusiasts that's performance driven. Hey, Chris, those are two different would, segments. If you were buying your wife a three-year-old crossover, would you go buy a Honda Pilot or an Atlas? Quick. Uh, probably. I would. Honestly, I will be honest with you. At this point, I don't know. Mm-hmm. This sport wagon that I have, okay, like made- an like it's five weeks ago, you was at Atlas. That's the point, though. The point is, is that you would have wanted the German one because it because was the Volkswagen. It's the Volkswagen it German one, not heritage. the Honda. I'll be honest with you, just for the sake of discussion, this will probably be the last new Volkswagen I ever own. Ooh. Volkswagen treated me really, really poorly with my with my TDI stuff. I don't want to get we've gotten gotten into that it. The dealership wasn't any helpful. The dealership wasn't helpful. It was a bad but dealer. neither was Volkswagen of America. Anyway, so. And they don't have a good track record. The point, the anymore. point is, is that they were saying how they sell a lot of Golf R's and GTIs. They don't, which sell is a amazing because they're forty grand. But they don't sell a lot of Golfs and Sport wagons. And they're mm. like, so why should we bring it back? It makes if sense. we're going to sell GTIs and Golf R's, why am I bringing back Golfs to sit on the parking lot and discount? You're so, right, though, Chris. I can't believe how expensive they are for what they are compared to other things out there. So well, here's what, where what it got, hang, 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 we're getting off the we're getting off track. Okay. Here's where it got interesting though, because I said to him, you know, performance SUVs are popular in the U.S. They mm-hmm. are, and I was like, if you're an enthusiast brand, why don't you have a performance SUV? Because theoretically, a Tiguan is a Jetta, right? So you can get so dropping a Golf R or or specifically a GTI powertrain into a Tiguan is a drop. And mm-hmm. all you have to do is retune the suspension or give it different struts or whatever. And and so his response was, the Golf R is a beloved car, and we we think we can create the same magic in other segments. Well, guess what? The only segments they have other vehicles are SUVs, and there's two sedans, Passat and Arteon. That's exactly what the problem is, is they don't have any enthusiast models anymore. They're all just a bunch of crap. But imagine a Tiguan that's a hot Tiguan. What would make, just because it's just making it a little bit faster? Then totally. We're, then well, we're, handling better. Then we're talking about, like, some sort of, like, Hemi Cherokee, which is but now not- you're talking about a Macan. What's the difference between a Macan and a Macan? 
You got a Macan. You got I a Cayenne. I'm 100% with you. I don't think a Macan is, is This is, is like the American way, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> My idea of a performance atlas would be more along the lines of like a TRD Toyota right, something situation. they can do yeah, off-road. I know. But, but they have made some cool base camp uh, concept ones of those things. Yeah, they? but we'll never see any of them. No, of course it's, not. It's, it's just so seems any, like so bullshit to Then me. I asked him about the Volkswagen, uh, the, the electrication stuff, and, and he's like, you know, let's just one step at a time, which, of course, but, but auto car. Did you ask him why we're only getting the crossover? I did. What did he say? Because crossover he, Did he say, I'm sorry? <laughs> <that we're- laughs> it's the same reason we're not going to get the Golf, probably, or the wagon. Because crossovers sell, and no one cares about a hatchback. Yeah, but they're bringing the other stuff over here anyway. Why not make it available if someone wants to order one? Why not? Because you have to feralize and crashing. That costs a lot of money. Oh, come on. It does. For Volkswagen, the richest auto manufacturer in the world? I don't know if you know this, but they're looking at selling Lamborghini, and they're, they're, they're some, they have some problems going on. <laughs> so talk about the diesel reason, gate earlier. The reason they're selling yeah. Lamborghini is because they see the writing on the wall with performance cars in general. Oh, I don't think that's true at all. They might go public with that and make a ton of money. Lamborghini? Yeah. Selling no. Lamborghini. They might go public yeah. just like the Ferrari and Aston. Okay. It's called cash injection. Mm. They need money. New cars cost a lot of money to, to develop. What is the cost to crash a car and get it test get it tested? It's a great question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Of, hang on. Here's what I will tell you. I've been told by every automaker I've ever talked to, federalizing a car is an expensive thing. Hmm. Is there a difference? Do you have to every variation of a model? Does it have to be done? So if they to make an a extent, Tiguan, it, it, it depends on it depends. So a Golf R GTI, no. But like a Golf it, R All Road. It depends on like because it, it, it like bumpers. It doesn't and struts, exist. I'm just saying. Uh, right. uh, uh, bumpers, struts, uh, crash beams, uh, headlights, all that stuff takes into account how it crashes, right? So it depends how different it is. I bet so, it has something to do with like the height of the bumper. Yep, totally. And just mm. and that kind of thing. Like, oh well, the bumper's this high. Then we need to run over some people with it to find out if it's going to kill them or not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there we go. Yes. Jake, try and keep your pants on during this next story. What's going on? <laughs> That's right. AM General and Jeep together unveiled a concept named the Gladiator Extreme Military Grade Truck. You texted me about this. Or XMT. I did text you about this, Joel, because it was exciting. Do you know we wrote about this, Chris? Yes. Mm. So they unveiled this during the annual meeting and exposition of the Association of the U.S. Army. So AM General hasn't released technical specs, but the military spec model. Who is AM General? They made the Hummer. That's right. Yeah. Hey, don't I, you have a Hummer? Yeah. I'm confused. It has no, a Volkswagen key. He does, <laughs> he does not have a Hummer. There's only one Hummer. And maybe there will be two, but there's only one right Wait, now. I don't think What's you the would, second you one? wouldn't call this What's a, a hey, real Hummer What's either. the second one? This one could be, if they're if they're actually working together. Oh, so the, you're just saying the Hummer H2 is not a Hummer. Correct. That's right. a suburban Tahoe. Correct. Right. <laughs> I agree saying, with that. Yeah, you know, I was then looking at in Colorado. Right. Our friend I agree over with at, that as well. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I like it, I'm not apologizing for it. <laughs> our friend over at Stanceworks, uh, Mike Burroughs, bought yep. an H1. And I yeah. saw that. Those I started, are cool. They drive started like looking, crap. Then I started looking at H1s. Oh, I like, have two. Not military versions. The, the, the they're still terrible. Are they really... I've never driven one, but everyone I know has ever driven one, so they're awful. You can it do seems like 55 like miles an hour max. Parking, you think parking a Raptor's bad? So wide. I live in suburbia. What does so it matter? So wide. Do Costco? It's got to be like the king size bed of cars where you're yeah, sitting dude, on one side and the person on the other it's, side. It's, you it's so exactly far what it's like. Yes. <laughs> it's exactly what it's like. But like driving a Raptor at Costco as someone who's done it, it's a nightmare. Driving a full size Ram 1500 at Costco is a nightmare now. They're so big. Anyway, going back. Well, just think about how much surplus stuff you could bring home from Costco in an H1. There's a lot of room in there. 
That's true. Anyway, sorry. Continue with your your Hummer Jeep thing. So uh, AM General hasn't released technical specs, but the model will be available in either a gas or turbo diesel engine variant. Uh, Whether the truck sees combat duty uh, at all depends on if the U.S. Army places an order for the truck. So they're basically releasing this as a concept. Saying, I'd like to note that it's currently available from FCA with a gas and later this year a diesel engine. So there's no saying that this has got anything modified to the powertrain. No, at all. Right. Because just, just to be clear. Yep. Next year, they're coming out with the V6 turbo right, the three, three, three there. Yep. So if the project receives a green light, though, production could begin in the second half of 2020. And then when are you going Jake, to buy one? Well, when Jake texted me, can I buy this? I instantly responded. You could just go down to your dealership, buy one, and I can help you buy those wheels. Right. Actually, I don't think you sent that to me. I said you could build one. Yeah, you could build one. You could easily, easily build. But one. are you going to? No. He's not gonna. They're too them. expensive. How much are they? They're expensive. Dude, a Rubicon Gladiator, you can get to like sixty grand. Yeah, you can look at. You can get an H one for forty grand. But then you have an H one. You're driving every day. <laughs> I know. It's like I'm not, not sure you freeway understand. Freeway friendly. What are you talking about? All the freeways here are sixty. Yeah. By the time you get to sixty, you're gonna have to break. <laughs> yeah. Which also is a great experience, from what I understand. <laughs> so uh, next story is goodbye AMG. Uh, hello, AMG. So this is we are witnessing. The AMG as we know it is is dead. The in my opinion. In my opinion. So AMG is saying goodbye to the V8 and the C63 AMG. Uh, so we talked about this thing last week. Reportedly, it's, um, it's the uh, reportedly. Well, yes, it's gone. Let's be honest. Just do my job. <laughs> yes, every, everything we do here is reportedly. Anyway, reportedly. Um, so allegedly. No, that Jeep is real. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so we talked about the C63 AMG wagon last week when we right. talked about what kind Chris of... Chris gets his rocks off on that I thing. love that thing. It's way better than anything Audi makes in terms of a wagon. It's rear-wheel Wrong. drive. Rear-wheel drive, huge burnouts, power, power, power. RS6 and will get you there in the snow. I don't I do wish them. the RS6 had like a rear-wheel drive. Disconnect mode? Yeah. Wouldn't that be sweet? It would be because yeah, then but that would, would be really anti-Audi. You could would. have a front-wheel drive mode called Quattro Light. <laughs> yes, you could. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what. That, so Mercedes AMG will send a clear message that is adapting to modern demands with the upcoming third generation by foregoing its long-standing V8 power. So it had a 6.2 liter V8 in the earlier ones in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. Okay, that's And then right. it had like a twin turbo V8 right. that came next. And now there will be. No V8, but it will have a, a, an advanced four-cylinder hybrid drivetrain that's developing not, around 500 horsepower. That's not exciting. It's not, but they'll probably be able to pipe the sound that makes it sound like a V8 through the stereo, right? Mm-hmm. The new C63 will be the first in a number of new AMG models earmarked to receive an electrified version of the new turbocharged 2-liter M139 when it goes on sale. The potent four-cylinder kicks out a maximum of 416 horsepower and 369 pound-feet of torque. Blah, 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 blah. The M139 engine will also adopt a 48-volt integrated starter motor similar to that already used by the turbocharged whatever. Uh, it's basically going to be, you know, another 22 horsepower, um, another 180 pound feet of torque. Um, so nothing is official at this early stage, but Alfterbach and insiders with the knowledge of AMG's new model plans suggest the new four cylinder hybrid drivetrain will match the existing situation. Blah, blah, blah. Where's the part I want to get to here? Um, <laughs> That's not why anyone likes the AMG stuff. Uh, well, people like the AMG stuff because it was 500 horsepower. 600 horsepower, 400 horsepower, whatever it was right. when it came out at the time, it was big power, rear wheel drive, 
put you back in your seat, Autobahn, 150 miles an hour, and they were quiet and comfortable. And it's a completely different experience than the M Division or the S Division at Audi. It was a completely right. different so thing. You, you said here that this new power plant's weight is concentrated so much lower, and it aids in uh, you know yeah, lower yeah. center gravity and right. handling, but that the, wasn't Mercedes. It, that wasn't Mercedes. They were never... It was never a nimble car. Mm-hmm. They've never been nimble cars. They've always been power. The hammer. The AMG, that, the that hammer. I was waiting for someone to say yeah, that. The hammer. That is, when you look at AMG, that's what it's all been about. If you look at my C43 AMG, it's a giant V8 wedged into a small car just so it can just go power and just you hit the gas and it just goes. And you can go 150 miles an hour with the cruise control on and be happy listening to your classical music on your way to collect your <laughs> AARP card <laughs> from, you from the mailbox. Yep, spot so on. another thing they're going to be doing is they're getting rid of rear-wheel drive. Really? Yeah, it seems like they're going to get rid of rear-wheel drive in lieu of a formatic thing. Um, that's really the kind of the, the, the big headline no, here. No, no, no saying you couldn't disconnect, though, because they've got the burnout mode, uh, drift drift mode, if you will, in the e, 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 E63. Really? They do. In the I current E63, you can but turn it off and I, make it rear-wheel drive only. Hmm. I still, it's not a pure rear-driven car anymore, and that is a problem for me. The electric era is coming, Christopher. <laughs> Mm. I'm not happy with that. Let me, what speaking Get of, out of my boat. <laughs> yeah, speaking <laughs> of the electric era, electric crate motors are here. Joel. Super cool. This so, is rad. Stuff. Is this the Land Cruiser one that we wrote about? No. no. Uh, so an outfit called Electric GT has just released what it's calling an electric crate motor. EGT promises a plug and play system with, quote, high performance and near zero maintenance. Having packaged its one and two motor systems into a motor block and peripherals that look more or less like a V8. This is what we wrote about. You just did link to our site. It is the same thing. Oh, oh okay. Sure. Jeez. Sorry. So these, this engine block oh, basically <laughs> includes everything necessary for the swap to electric except the batteries and basically motor mounts. It's so, basically everything you need other than well, the engine. Well, so because cool, the motors, Someone's controllers, in a vintage V8, chargers, uh, the sensors, the relays, awesome. and the computer system is all right there integrated. It's already in a, uh, an old Land Cruiser. That's what we wrote about. How cool is that? That it is is really cool. Super cool. How much does it cost? Eighty thousand dollars or something. I think it's really, yeah, but really, if you go to really Icon expensive. and you have one of those people restore Toyota FJ, it, here's the deal. Everything about all of this stuff right now is really expensive because it's every days. It's first market stuff. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is the first people to do X Y Z. Yep. And here is an even better option. This is the one that I like. Okay. A British company called Swindon Powertrain has revealed a 107 horsepower turnkey electric motor that could easily be slotted into a compact project car. Okay. The electric mini that they build is about 80 grand, but you can they're going to start packaging it as a crate motor. They recently engineered an electric version of the classic mini under the name Swind. It's developing that power unit further to open it up into niche manufacturers. And I guess as soon as they get their niche manufacturer thing figured out, mm-hmm. they're going to make them available to everybody. Um, the ready-to-roll high-power density motor assembly weighs 70 kilograms, which is lighter than a three-cylinder, one-liter Ford EcoBoost without fluids in it, and measures a tiny two feet wide by 17 inches long and 11 inches tall, meaning cars thus equipped will benefit not from lightweight, but also a low center of gravity. So one of these can go in. There was a picture of all the different things this thing yeah. can go in. They've got it in the back of an ATV. It is, is that, that small? small. It is that small. Um, Swindon has additionally d- developed the crate motor to be an easy and ready-made solution from everything from electric delivery vans to lightweight Caterham-style kit cars. Its small size fun. means it can fit under any hood or right behind a pair of seats. Individuals will be able to buy their own crate soon after it's made available to companies. 
So uh, contained with the HPD shell is the motor itself, a single-speed transmission, and a cooling system. You don't get batteries as different manufacturers and converters will have wildly different needs in terms of size, space, etc. It will be designed with multiple mounting points for options when installing it. So you can make your own motor mounts and put it in whatever you want. So they say that they're going to start selling them and doing whatever they're going to do by June of 2020. So I was going to ask you guys, what is the perfect candidate? Classic Mini. Classic Mini. You that's, like that. That's what they put it in right away. Yeah, that's what I would put it in. I would put it in a Volkswagen Rabbit because it's, it's always been cool. because you're Chris. It's because <laughs> I'm me, but it's also because you can, then it's a Volts Rabbit. You ever hear of those? Oh, Lord. They used to have a kit back in the day where you yep, had a bunch of batteries a in the trunk. Mark two or two? No, it was a Mark one. It was a Volts. Was it? Okay. it was a rabbit. It was a Volts rabbit, and they had a kit that you could make. And I'd like to redo the Volts rabbit with this new stuff. And I think 107 horsepower, which is basically what a GTI came with stock, would be great. Imagine that. It was an instant torque, though, in a classic it mini. It would be, yeah. In a classic mini, also a great rip. choice. That's probably why they did. They're a British company. I couldn't find out how much this is. I was I tried if to call to them, ask. and then I realized that it was 3 o'clock, which means it was like 9 p.m. in England, right. and right. they're not going to pick up the phone. So classic mini, what do you think? I, I would love to see something with rear wheel drive, though, too. Rear engine. Ooh, a classic Fiat 500, then. I was going to say a Fiat X19. Or a classic Beetle. No, uh, well, a Beetle that, would be a good choice, too. Yeah, I like the old Fiat 500 words back there. Yeah, I think that's cool. Super small and light. You're right, though, with that torque, Joel. You An would just Porsche. put the throttle down and just... You could, like a 912, but that's, see, the, the, the buy-in on the car is so cost prohibitive. Even a 912 chassis is $15,000. You could get a Rabbit or mm-hmm. or something like that. Can I get for, the old 306? A Peugeot? 306? Yeah. You could. What about one of those, uh, the the 2CV? Yeah. yeah. 2CV with this in it would be Quirky great. enough, yeah. yeah. Three times the horsepower it came with. It would, would probably be really, snap really in half. <laughs> it probably would. Well, you could always pull metal off your shed to fix anything you need. Yeah, it's about the same. So, Chris, the fat lady is currently singing. And why is that? Because oh. NASCAR is going hybrid. This is on inevitable. Their way, on their way to... Electric racing. It is inevitable. It's here is how this is kind of my thought on this. It's everywhere. In order for regular Americans to accept the future that we are having shoved down our throat, (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is what they have to do. This is what manufacturers are pushing for. NASCAR doesn't want this. The fans don't want this. So guess who does? The manufacturers. And they all have so much money invested in all this stuff that this is their way to getting to the hearts and minds of Race on Sunday, buy on Monday, Chris. Well, look at it's look exactly at the bright. It. We, we want, the bright side is you don't have to wear earplugs at NASCAR events now. Hybrid it doesn't. <laughs> it's hybrid. <laughs> I but, know. So in an interview with TechCrunch, NASCAR senior vice president John Propes said that hybrid powertrains could come to the sport as early as 2022. It should be noted they're working on a new car, and that's how this is all coming to yes. fruition, allowing the series time to finalize rules for its new gasoline-powered race car before tackling a new engine setup. The earliest on-track implementation would probably be used for road courses such as Sonoma or Watkins Glen and shorter speedways, but it would eventually spread to the larger ovals. Quote, we have to resolve resolve all this, but I think there are also some deployment options for intermediaries and our speedways that can be explored, probes. So what's the problem with this? First of all, how I'm do, sure you're going to tell us. Yes. <laughs> how do you generate power back into the cars like hybrids do on the road? Braking. Braking. Yeah, regenerate. And what braking. do you not do when you are driving in an oval for 1,200 miles? Braking. <laughs> <laughs> so how are they going to be... Well, that's exactly why they said it has to be at Watkins Glen or Sonoma. That's why you need a road course first. Yeah. Okay. Let's say it's a full 
uh, so what are we gonna? We gotta be have hot swap of batteries, right? I mean, when we're doing a full oval, yeah, because like the Indianapolis five hundred, twelve hundred miles. On, hang 500. On. Are you talking about hybrids now or electric cars? Well, you were talking about eventually on the road to that, full electric. That, racing. that is the road, but that's so far out. We're still talking about hybrids in three years from now. I'm just saying this is their road to electric cars. Okay, yeah. so let's they just... mentioned that in the original. Okay, piece. I still think their their goal is to be full electric. Someday, for sure. Yeah. They said that. I think they're going to have to do battery, battery swaps. If like you're sure. going to drive in, and they're going to swap. Well, I don't know because so so Formula E. I don't know if you followed that. Yeah. They originally they had to start by 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 cooling the batteries, and they had two cars. Now we have one car for the whole race as of this last year. Yeah, That's but the, they're not driving 1,200 miles. The no. Indy 500 is a long race. Maybe it's the Indy 100 now. <laughs> 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 I, I, All right. Battery so, swapping would be an interesting proposition, but I mean, because that is most a of whole the, new set of challenges. Well, that's just it, though. That's the drama of NASCAR is the pit stop and the crashes. Well, I can't wait Imagine for the cars the cra- to <laughs> yeah. the crashes. The cars are melting Kaboom. into the ground. Nobody's going to be able to get out there and just touch the car anymore. No, not even a little bit. All right. On to our next story. Actually, our next story is our on- our on-location reporter, Buster Conrad. And like has, I said, he's been a wet... Joel has never heard Buster Conrad's reporting. No. He's been on location for us many, many times from Italy to in a police car to it's the consumer, consumer Electronics Show. He's told me he was a weatherman before. He is. He was yes. a weatherman for many, that many was, years. That was, that was the, he has the, the distinction, Joel, of being the weatherman in all 50 states of America. And his whole goal is he wanted to bring that same accuracy of reporting that weathermen have to the automotive market. All right, well, let's wait, bring wait, 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 back up, back up. No, no, just, just to, yeah, just listen. Here's Buster. All right, here we go. Hi, Chris and Jake. Today I'm at Boeing's Everett Washington production facility at the event for the recently announced Boeing-Porsche collaboration. I'd like to give a shout out to all of our Seattle listeners. Last night I ate some delicious dicks. Deluxe cheeseburger with extra condiments, of course. Photos are strictly forbidden here, so I'll have to do my best to describe what's happening. In front of me is what looks like a pair of new 911s with a swept biplane wing configuration and six thrusters mounted low and across, where the rear bumper would normally be located. The orange car appears to be in flight configuration, and the blue car has the wings folded for street driving. There's a VR motion simulator set up with experience the third dimension of travel. What was that? Uh, of travel written on the side. I've got my red and blue glasses handy just in case. Hello, my name is Emmett, and I'll be your guide today. Wow, nice hair. Very eccentric. Emmett, where do we start? I trust you've had time to familiarize yourself with the press kit for the Boersha project. Uh, yeah, I sure did. Uh, can you bring our listeners up to speed, though? Boeing and Porsche have many similarities in our long and storied pedigrees. Both companies have been iconic in their industries, being at the bleeding edge of technological development for decades, and both the 911 and 737 MAX have similar exhilarating handling quirks that are the stuff of legend, Marty. It's about time our two companies collaborated to redefine transportation. The Boersha Project is a personal luxury conveyance that will be as much at home on a twisty mountain road as it is in the stratosphere, Marty, offering the driver unlimited freedom by enabling (laughs) access to the third dimension. To preserve the characteristic handling of the 911, the control surfaces are all mounted on a boom two meters behind the vehicle. Would you like to step into the simulator and give it a spin? Absolutely, Emmett. How do we start this thing up? There's a key on the left of the steering wheel, Marty. Then rotate the selected a drive. Second dimension engaged. Oh, it looks like we're about to run out of roads. Should I turn around? Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Straighten the wheel and rotate the selector to fly. Third dimension engaged. Wow, this is a blast, Emmett. But I've noticed that there's two more settings on the selector. What what happens in the settings marked four and five? 
Great Scott, don't touch number four, Marty. That's going to be disabled in production units. You must place one little sports almanac in. I'm sorry, America. Uh, never mind, never mind that now. We're <laughs> planning on leaving the fifth dimension sitting on the selector. It complements the third dimension of travel. Go ahead, Marty. Try it. It's not Marty, it's Buster. Uh, ah, hell, never mind. Fifth dimension engaged. <laughs> hey, I'll give it to you, Emmett. 60s rock musicals are a much better Easter egg than the Tesla fart box. This panoramic glass roof really lets the sun shine in, too. Time to land this thing. Back to you in the studio. I'm, Thanks, glad that, Buster. I'm glad that Buster got to go experience the third or whatever dimension he was well, in. He was in the fifth dimension. That was the I age of Aquarius. You, I don't know what just happened. Jeff, didn't you hear <laughs> Portia and Boeing are working together? I to, know we wrote about it. To, well, yeah, that was so, it. Buster was on location. He was on location with Portia and Boeing to see what the third dimension was all third about. Dimension. Tell me that wasn't you two clowns messing around. That's no, Buster that's Conrad. Buster He's our on-location reporter. He was there. That is his real name. That is yes. his real name. You can check him out on Instagram. On that note, I... <laughs> He's not on Facebook. <laughs> he is on Instagram. He does have an Instagram account yep. if you want to look as him I, up. As I said, Buster Joel. Conrad. Yeah, and reminding our listeners, you know, since he was such an illustrious weatherman, he's trying to bring the accuracy of the weather industry to the automotive industry. So I think you should be nice. I think you should welcome into the annals of, of, the, uh, of the automotive journalist world. Be nice, Joel. <laughs> Joel Sweet. <Speechless>. Con? <laughs> What's his Instagram handle? Buster Conrad. Yes. Buster... Conrad. Con Rod. Yeah, Buster mm -hmm. Conrad. Rod. <laughs> traveling, Conrad. Correspond <laughs> traveling correspondent for the Overcrest podcast, bringing meteorology accuracy to Overcrest. <laughs> Anyways, you guys can also <laughs> check him out on Instagram while Joel At is. Buster Conrad. Supposedly, this gentleman was on the Overcrest rally. He was. Yep. He was on the Overcrest rally. You he came him. and visited us there. You missed him. What car did he run in? He brought a Kia Soul. He did. Yeah. So, uh, Joel, I really appreciate you coming in and, uh, and, and giving us your expertise. And we really appreciate uh, Motor Authority and what you guys do over there. If you want to see some great news, head over to MotorAuthority.com. We get a lot of our news there. It's where I get a lot of uh, what it's I read. I get my news, too. It's where you get your news, <laughs> That's too. That's weird. Um, please head over to uh, Patreon.com. Sign slash up. Overcrest. Yep, slash Overcrest. Check us out. Leave Support us a five-star review. If you guys like having me on, make sure you sell these clowns, because otherwise they're going to stop inviting me. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I love your beautiful face. <laughs> Oh, you're sweet. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. We'll see you on Friday. <laughs>